take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Second Chronicles in the Old Testament. You know, when you come to a moment like this in the life of a congregation, it's a, always an interesting moment. We come to the moment when the place that, as a congregation, you will gather the most and the most people are affected by, when it comes to a time to dedicate that or to begin again in the midst of it, it's always an interesting kind of dilemma about how to go about that. The truth is, you don't want to come in and make a big show because this is really not a place to make a big show. It's a place to worship the Lord. You want to come in with the solemnness, but you also want to come in with excitement. And I couldn't help but be drawn back to Second Chronicles where Solomon is dealing with something on a grander scale than what we're talking about, but a similar kind of emotion. The nation of Israel, for several hundred years, had worshipped and praised God in the midst of a movable church. They had no permanent home. They had no place in which they could permanently reside. When God called them out of the land of Egypt, He gave instructions about this tabernacle that were to be built. And this tabernacle was to be the place where the people of God would interact directly with God. And so you have in this moment, this tabernacle, this time, the people are constantly moving, and in that process, they're moving the tabernacle with them. Now, imagine, if you will, a church that didn't build a church, that didn't build a building, a permanent building, for several hundred years. This congregation was started a little over a hundred years ago, and in the first few years of its existence, it had several permanent locations, which I guess is one of those things that really doesn't go together, right? Several different permanent locations. This has been the one in which we have worshipped as a congregation for the longest period of time, but the Israelites had no such place. And finally Solomon comes along and David had this vision for a temple. Solomon builds it. And when Solomon builds it, he builds it on a scale that is impressive to even the biggest skeptic. And as he's ready to dedicate the temple, he comes before the people and Scripture tells us that he gets in front of them and he begins the ceremony and he gets them all attentive. And then while he is there, he gets down on his knees on a table in front of them and he offers this magnificent prayer saying, God, when your people come to this place, be a God that listens and responds. God, when people come to this place and they are broken hearted, be a God that listens and responds. God, when your people come to this place and their land is barren, be a God that listens and responds. God, when your people come and they have sinned, as we all will sin, God, when they come broken hearted, turning from their wicked ways, be a God that listens and responds. And as Solomon finishes his prayer, as he is on top of this huge table in front of the nation of Israel that are scattered before him, as he finishes his prayer with his arms lifted to the sky, suddenly from the heavens, fire descends. And the glory of God fills that temple. 
It says that the glory of God filled the temple so much that they couldn't even think of going in. So the people only know one response. It says out in the midst of wherever they were, they got on their faces before the Lord and they began to give praise and honor unto His name. And then they partied. Now, that's not the word the Bible uses, right? But it tells us they celebrated for seven days. Now, I don't know about you, but if you celebrate for seven days, that classifies itself as a party. Millions of people celebrating for seven days what God has done. And Solomon gets them all back together. And there's this understanding that Solomon kind of gets them back together to think, we've got to wrap this thing up. So he gets them back together and he gets them all out there and he says, listen. And they have another time of dedication and prayer. And they walk away from that place emboldened by God to do what God had called them to do. But that's not where I want to go today. I want to go to what happens after that. Because you see, the reality is in today's time, in today's culture, we could put on a magnificent presentation that shows off all the bells and whistles of everything we've got. But what kind of impact does that really have? Sometime later, after Solomon's dedicated the temple, in fact, after he's dedicated the temple, after he's built his palace, after he's done whatever he wanted to do, it says in Scripture, in the temple and in his palace, God appears to Solomon at night. Perhaps it's in that moment right before you go to sleep. Perhaps it was in the midst of the night in a dream. Perhaps it was in a vision in those moments in the morning when you're just kind of waking up and it's still dark outside. But it says in Scripture that God comes to Solomon and He says, first of all, Solomon, I have heard your prayer about my temple. Now, God really didn't have to say that. Because the truth is, when Solomon finished praying and fire came from heaven, that was a pretty good sign that God heard the prayer. Amen? I mean, if I said something and prayed something and suddenly fire came down in this place, we would all say something happened from God that day. He says, Solomon, I've heard your prayer. And then he basically says to Solomon, my temple is to be a place that when people want to interact with me, no matter what the condition has been of their lives or their nation, if they're ready to interact with me and will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and get rid of the junk they're doing, I'll hear them in this place. Here's my confession to you as your pastor. I am much less concerned about this particular day of dedication than I am the weeks and the months and the years that are to follow in this place. Because my prayer and my desire is that in this place, in this room, people will weekly humble themselves and pray and seek the face of God and turn from their wicked ways and have their lives changed forever. 
My prayer is not that just today will be a great day when we pray and we all symbolically come down here and dedicate this room to the Lord, but that every week you enter into this place, you enter as a life dedicated unto the Lord. That you enter into this place as someone who is ready to listen and to hear from the Lord. That you dedicate yourself to the Lord and His service. And that this place is the place you seek Him most fervently. You see, God said that if my people, my group, my children, my church, if First Baptist Church Goodlettsville will humble themselves, the most difficult of the four steps to be perfectly honest. We live in a culture that tells us to value ourselves, to always put our foot forward, to always be uh, understanding of who we are, and to believe in ourselves, to trust ourselves. And Scripture tells us over and over again that that will get you nowhere. That you must come to a place of complete humility before the Lord. Where you say it's not about my way, it's not about my desires, it's not about my wants, it's not about my future. It's about the Lord and what He desires. I am nothing. And on a weekly basis, we need to continually remind ourselves of the importance of humbly coming before the Lord. Are you willing to pray that God will do things in this place that are unexplainable even if you don't see any benefits from it? Are you willing to pray that God would change the lives of people that walk into this room on a daily and weekly basis whether or not you are a part of seeing it directly? Would you be okay with the Lord doing amazing things in this place? Even if the name First Baptist Church doesn't get out there as the place where it's happening. Willing to set aside your pride and your desires and your wants and your agendas for the purposes of God. It says if they come and they humble themselves and they pray. The idea here and the word here is about the fact that that we should never stop praying to the Lord. That we should continually seek His advice and His counsel, His direction and His power. So my question to you this morning is, are you willing to pray about what God is going to do in this place on a daily basis? Are you willing to pray that God will change lives? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And seek my face. It's interesting, the word there means more than just kind of looking around. It means a passionate devotion to following the Lord. In fact, many of you know our our purpose statement that I introduced almost five years ago now when I came as your pastor. And it is that we exist to glorify God by leading people to become passionately devoted followers of Jesus Christ. To be honest with you, that idea of passionately devoted comes from two passages of Scripture. One is Isaiah 26, 8 that says that His name and His renown is the desire of our souls. It is the only thing that matters. That when we come into this place, when we gather as a church, the glory and the name of God being lifted up is the one desire that we have. The other part comes from this particular passage where it says that we are to seek His face. The idea is that we are to be passionately devoted to following God, whatever that means. You know, most church members today will be glad to follow the Lord as long as it doesn't inconvenience them. As long as it doesn't go against what they have always kind of thought. 
As long as it's not something that steps on their toes too much. But are you willing to seek the face of the Lord and His will no matter what? And then lastly it says, if they'll turn from their wicked ways. The big church word for that is repent or repentance. The idea is just that we stop doing those things that are offensive in the sight of God. Or we start doing the things that we know God's already called us to do. At the end of the senior adult uh, song this morning, Jack turned around for us all to participate. Saying, we're going to go outside these doors and tell everybody about Jesus. Now, those are words that if you ask, oh yeah, absolutely, that's what we're supposed to be doing. My question is, are you doing that? The, the illustration that is best about what it means to repent is to goes back to, as we talked about before, the idea of driving. And we all know that as men, most of us don't like to ask directions, right? How many of you have GPS systems in your car now? Anybody? You know what I find myself doing? I find myself arguing with the GPS lady quite often. And more times than not, when I argue with the GPS lady, you know who's right? Well, y'all can say it. I won't say it because I don't admit I'm wrong very often. Now, usually it's the GPS lady, right? She kind of knows what's going on. Well, repentance is just finding yourself going down the direction that is not the right path and saying, okay, I admit it's not the right path, and I'm going to choose to go the other direction. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. And then following the invitation, we're going to share the Lord's Supper together. And if you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then we invite you to share the Lord's Supper with us. But here's what I want you to see real quickly before we move to an invitation and a prayer time and the Lord's Supper. The very things that God says to Solomon are the things that the people of God need to do when they come into the house, when they need to have something from the Lord. I mean, for us, it may not be that the heavens are shut up and we don't have any rain because we just run to the supermarket. But when we have difficulty in our lives and we need the Lord, these are the things that Solomon is told that the Lord wants us to do. Here's the interesting thing. When we think about the Lord's Supper and the moment when we come to celebrate the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in our lives, it is the same four steps that ought to precede every time we take the Lord's Supper. That in reality, we're coming to a place where humbly we say, Lord, if not for your sacrifice, I would have absolutely no hope. I'm not strong enough to do anything on my own. I'm not good enough to do anything on my own. It is only because of you that I have hope. And so I humbly come before you that you spend time praying and thanking God for his sacrifice, that in this moment you seek the Lord and say in my life right now, based on what you did for me, what is it that you are calling me to do that I am not currently doing? And then in repentance, we say, I will start doing that or I'm going to stop that junk that's going on. I'm going to stop the attitude that I have. I'm going to stop trying to continue to take this relationship that I have that is devolving in a terrible direction. I'm going to stop the gossiping and the talking behind people's back and the thoughts that come into my mind. I'm going to stop the criticizing and complaining and all those things that are detrimental. And I'm going to start living for you.